This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Yes? Ho, ho, ha, ha! Remember me, old chum? Jolly devil. Welcome to THN Cover to Cover for Saturday, August 1st. It's National Spider-Man Day, and we are celebrating. We have planned all week for a Spider-Man-centric cover-to-cover event, and Mm. I'm so excited to bring it to you guys. Joe Patrick Mm. worked so hard on this. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt Baum, and here is the Internet's biggest Spider-Man fan. I give you the Internet's Joe Patrick. Joey, introduce yourself. Well, as you already did, I am the Internet's Joe Patrick, and here's how it works. Every Saturday morning at 1030 Central Time, Matt and I go live on our Facebook page to rap about the week's Spider-Man news, and then we open the phone lines at 11 for you nerds to play along. I was going to say spider nerds, but whatever. You can call us at 402-819-4894. You can click our Facebook call now button, or you can just chat with us in the Facebook live chat if you want to get in on the action. And if you can't call in live, that is just fine. You can leave us a message at that phone number, or you can send an MP3 to twitternerd at gmail.com. But before we open the phone lines, Joey, time to give these nerds something to talk about. It is time for our editorial nerd news. It's like crossfire, but we just shoot at each other. So it's like friendly fire. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after a week of teasing a new JSA-centric DC project, news has leaked. How excited were you for this? Just before we get into the... I was getting more excited with every passing day. (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk about Joe Patrick before he read the news story and Joe Patrick after he read the news story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, so Tom Taylor was... uh, doing these little vague teases like there'd be some quotes uh and then there'd be like single letters and Tom people Taylor, were like oh a, a writer oh. we really like too so like when he started teasing this for like seriously this they're gonna let him have it that is awesome <laughs> and then the the first like the the biggest clue was uh him tweeting a full cover image of um an all-star squadron character named Amazing Man punching out Adolf Hitler uh, by, uh, what is that artist's name? It's like Juan Julian Tedesco or yeah, something. Yeah, he's really good. Um, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous piece. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. What's happening? <laughs> and then uh, because he had already, he had already, I think, leaked a J yeah. and an A. Yes. And then on the last day, he said, man... It's pretty interesting how these letters uh, line up on my Instagram feed, and it's spelled JSA. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. It was all there. And then fucking comicbook.com. <laughs> it's not their fault. No, it's they, not their they fault. They certainly didn't make this happen. Let's not give them that kind of power. My God. According to a now removed story on comicbook.com, Taylor's new project will be a digital first return to the comic book world of the Injustice video game franchise. Yeah! <laughs> a prequel series called Injustice colon Year Zero. Yes, and JSA fans everywhere celebrated. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Taylor will work with artists Rose Antonio, uh, Cian Torme, Rain Beredo. I'm just going to call him Rain Beardo. Yeah, Rain Beardo. Uh, and Wes Abbott. And yes, cover artist uh, Julian, Julian Totino Tedesco. Uh, I'm a big fan of his delicious pizzas. The story uh, will quote tell the story of uh, the series will quote tell the story of the circumstances that led up to the events of the Injustice Gods Among Us video game and comic book. Uh, according to the report, they also had a description from DC. Fall of the Old Gods focuses the action around the Justice League and the discovery of how their predecessors covertly fought within World War II to bring down a tyrant. When the Joker finds a way to control DC's superheroes, Spear of Destiny, gotta be, right? He uses his leverage to sabotage the Justice League and the JSA from the inside, end quote. Okay, so uh, let's just, womp, womp. let's talk about this for a minute. This is where we insert the Price is Right fail yeah. horn. <laughs> <laughs> so you have chided me for saying I don't care about injustice it, for a this long is, time. This has nothing to do with my feelings about injustice. Okay. People like those books. That's fine. I don't play the game. I've never read the comics. Yes. I don't care. I want to talk about it, the fact that this is like DC teases us this knowing what it's going to do, knowing exactly what it's going to do. And then they gently go, yeah, not only that, but it's in the pages of injustice where it doesn't count. <laughs> right. And like, if you look, if you look back at his Twitter feed, people were pointing out that the letters were in the injustice title font. And I was like, man, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So what we've seen different fonts all over the sure. place. I mean, it's Ariel. Our script is an Ariel. Uh, and yeah, so I was like, oh man, please let this be Tom Taylor getting a shot at the JSA. I can't, I can't imagine a, a, a better choice, a, a better, you know, up and coming writer that's somehow still been here for five years. Yeah, he's a super talented guy. Well, I mean, he's relatively new to DC. He, he I would guess. be new to like, like he's done X Men stuff, he's done Spider Man stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, but all that stuff he's done has been like, it, it has seemed like kind of a, a um, a secondary thing to yes. the main line, like X Men Red, didn't really feel like it meant it much to the X Men line. Well, even friendly neighborhood Spider Man was all, all new. Self Wolverine was like not Logan, you know. It was the new yeah. Wolverine. It was great, loved it, fantastic. He's more than proven that he can carry a book. He's more than proven that he can do superstar stuff. They are not doing shit with the JSA right now for reasons, I guess. Well, I guess they're in Dark Knight's death metal. <sighs> I. I'm so tired. I am so tired. <laughs> You're exhausting I, I mean, me, DC. Come on. <laughs> what, like Once again, I'm not bagging on Injustice. I was just like so excited that they were finally going to do the JSA, the justice that they deserved. And instead, it's just more of this. I will bag on Injustice. Video game tie-in stuff. I don't care about Injustice. I don't care about it. I understand why some people do. That's fine. Why don't we have the JSA in the regular DC universe? They were they made a big stink about bringing them back. I mean, we did a whole thing with a Watchmen comic where we saw they were there and stuff. It's a thing. We know they exist. Where are they? Where are these plans? What is happening with DC? Is it just splintering into a million different universes and that this is just how it works now? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I really don't. Um like 
supposedly when all this is said and done with death metal, the DC universe is going to be a, a, a coherent place again. Uh, but I, right now it's hard to even understand what's going on with DC's main line. I just don't get it. And, and it's like, they're acting like this stuff counts because they have told us the multiverse is back and it's all whatever. And it all counts. It's all a story, but it's not. It's not. It doesn't count. You can't just tease this and like tell us like, here you go. This is what you get. No, I don't want to see this in the universe where Batman hates Superman and they're fighting each other. That's dumb. (laughs) I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, wave your wave your hand in front of the camera real quick so Heather can see that there is actually a video running. (laughs) I told her we have faces for audio. So, you know, just wave your hand. Just do the thing. There we go. <laughs> I was going to grab a plug uh, and stick his head under there, but I was afraid he'd knock the camera over. So, yeah. so yeah, the reason there's no video, Heather, is because we are not in the same room anymore due to pandemic. Yeah, and it's just easier and to just run so, a Zoom and, like, I, as much as I like the multiple faces with their names under them, I don't want to look like Ethan Van Skyver and his crew and have someone mistake us, so, you know. <laughs> and also the quality of those videos is awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Moving uh, right along, though, James Tinian the Four introduces a new horror magazine, Razorblades. Batman writer James Tinian IV is branching out as a publisher with the debut of a new horror magazine titled Razorblades, published by his recently launched Tiny Onion Studios. Get it? It's a joke. Tinian. Tiny, tiny Onion. Tiny Onion, right? Alongside writer-editor Steve Fox, they are establishing Razorblades as an anthology magazine for, quote, young creatives. I hate that. <laughs> Why? That just sounds gross. I don't know. <laughs> Hot young creatives in your area. Yeah, exactly. You know, our goal here's their quote from him Our goal was to focus on the rising class in the comic book industry. Tinian writes in the first issue's introduction Young creatives starting to make their name in horror or in comics in general. We've asked them to bring us their most frightening work grounded in the modern world, not trying to evoke something from decades past. So, new horror ideas. Uh, two comic serials are going to be in it. Killboy from Tinian is one of them with artist Ricardo Lopez Ortiz, along with a dream of time by writer Ram V who we haven't talked about for a while, but I love that dude's name and artist John J. Pearson magazines going to contain horror comics as well as prose standalone illustrations. So this is going to be sort of like, um, famous monsters of Filmland, or actually, no, that was more like a fanzine. This is more like the old, Fangoria. Yeah, Fangoria magazine. Well, even that was too. I don't know. What is well, this? Fangoria wasn't a fanzine. It was a magazine. It was a it was a legit magazine dedicated to horror movies. Yeah. But I mean, like, this is more is this a But this is this is gonna be comics. This is gonna be horror comics. Okay. It's not a magazine. They keep saying the word magazine. It's a magazine. It is. It's a comics mag you know what else is a magazine? Mad magazine. You know what it's full of? Comics. You know what they're not making anymore? Mad magazine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole different d- debate. <laughs> Magazines are toast. Even more toast than comics, I think. <laughs> So yeah, it'll have prose, illustrations, and comics. The first issue, I, I would be uh, interviews as well, right? Yeah, I guess. I guess I don't know. It's going to be an eighty-page Razor Blades, the horror magazine number one. It's available now digitally, so you can go to readrazorblades.com and it's there. 
and you've got a pay what you want price model, which is pretty cool. And there is a special edition print run of the first issue. It's limited to only 500 copies. It's available for pre-order. So they're doing it right. They're not just going to be like, hey, comic book stores, here's another weird thing that's going to be hard for you to sell in print edition. They're putting it up on the internet to gauge interest, see if people are into it. They're going to print 500 copies based on orders on whatever you want to pay basis, which is really cool. I mean, this is a good way to do it. This is very much like what indie rock looks like now with a lot of bands who are like, I don't want a label. I don't want to go through a middleman. I don't want to deal with music stores. I'm going to put my stuff on Bandcamp. If you're into it, pre-order it. We'll print that many. It's limited. There you go. You got a collector's item. It's a pretty cool idea. I mean, this is the, this is the panel syndicate model yeah. for comics. Um, though I don't know if panel, I don't remember if panel syndicate also had a print component. But, I don't believe um, they do. Oh, but yeah, it says right here, the first issue contains an interview between Tiny Onion the Four and his college writing professor slash comics writer, Scott Snyder, who we were just, uh, oh, who we will be talking about in just a second. Yeah. I don't know. I think this sounds fun. And I think you're right. You know, doing it online with an optional print uh, is is smart. It does not put any burden on uh, comic shops, though I suppose certainly comic shops I wonder if if they will work with comic shops to uh, fulfill orders through them if they so choose. Quite possibly. I mean, that's fine. They're making five hundred of them, so there's not going to be a lot of them out there. It gives well, for it, the first issue at least. It gives it a collectability as well because that's a real five hundred is a low number. That's not a lot out there. I know whenever I pre-order like records, I'll look and be like, oh man, this one's got the puke green and diarrhea brown swirl, and there's only two hundred of them. Like, well, I've got to have that. fucking weirdo it's neat so i mean i think it's a cool idea i think there is a definitely a market for this out there there's horror nerds that want this stuff and putting it online at a pay what you want for it it's a it's a cool idea and i'm gonna check it out i think it sounds fun yeah and i think assembling like a a good batch because it's not just like you know they mentioned young creatives but they're not all unknowns they've got names like uh marguerite bennett in here lonnie nadler uh aaron campbell werther deletera uh michael dialanis all these are all guys whose guys and gals whose comics we've read and enjoyed before uh and so i i think it's a fun idea i agree and i think you're right doing it online is a smart way to go. Uh, it's going to come out quarterly, and the new, uh, the second issue is planned just in time for Halloween. Ooh. I also think Spooky. it's risk free because it, if you like, we all say constantly, "Oh, I love horror anthologies. I love horror anthologies." You know what doesn't sell on the stands? Horror anthologies. Horror anthologies. They just don't sell, no matter how good they are. They don't sell. So this is a great and way. You know, if you just des- if you decide how much support you want to give it financially then you're not going to be mad. Right. Well, I think you'd be less mad if you ended up hating half of it. Some jerks will be mad. Most definitely. Well, sure. But it's like, look, man, you could have paid him a dollar. cents for this crap. (laughs) You could have given him a dollar. You could have given him nothing. Right. You know, if you were like, I want to support this venture and I'm going to give him 10 bucks for this first issue. That's on you. No, I think it's cool. And I think this is the, this is a great evolution of the horror anthology or magazine in any form. This is a great model. Go for it, guys. I'm, I'm 100% behind it. Back to Joe Patrick. Yes, I'm sorry. 
doing a thing. Again, this is not the slick edited show. Okay, this is the live Facebook. They project. get it. <laughs> Speaking of Scott Snyder, as we were, Dark Knight's death metal is Snyder's biggest project yet in his ten years at DC, according to DC. <laughs> but it will also be his last big superhero project with the company for a while. Uh, in an interview with Newsarama, Snyder said, "Quote: I'm not leaving superheroes, but I need to start working on more of my own stuff." I'm still doing stuff at DC, but definitely not as much. I want to give other people a chance with the big stuff at DC. And to be perfectly frank, there's a lot I want to do outside of superhero comics. Uh, For the past 10 years, it's hard to argue that Snyder has been one of, if not their top writer. Uh, He wrote their flagship title, Batman, for five years from uh, 2011 to 2016. A billion spinoffs, two years on Justice League. And he's written the last two major DC events, Dark Knight's Metal and its sequel, the currently incomprehensible Dark Knight's Death Metal. (laughs) Now, every time I say that, somebody on Twitter is like, I think it's the best stuff I've read from him yet. Like, really? What what am I missing? What am I missing? You know, like, I'm perfectly I'm perfectly happy to look at it as a whole when it is done. But right now, I don't get it. So far, the whole thing feels like the introduction to a cartoon that looks like it's going to be awesome. But there's so much going on in the intro that you're like, I just have to see what this is. But, the, like, but um, then the intro doesn't end. It just keeps introing you, and introing and introing. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> do you remember in the 80s and 90s where they would do those like half hour or hour long primetime specials that were just actors in character talking about all the new shows that were coming out yes. in the new season? Yes. <laughs> That's kind of what this is like. It reminds me, uh, and, I, and I, sorry if I keep harping on this, but it rem- remember Tekken, the Tekken video games? The best yeah. part of the Tekken video games were the totally bizarre intros where they were like, yes, it's a fighting game. We get it. There's a story, and here it is. And you watched it, and you were like, that was so cool. What is the story here? <laughs> how, does it, how does this work? I don't like, there's like robots and like pandas fighting and like super Jackie Chan cop guy and a demon and another dude that turns into a demon. And that's his dad, I guess. <laughs> like, what is going on? This is awesome. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, we're not here to bag on death metal. Snyder's exclusive contract with DC actually ended in 2019. Uh, so now he's looking more towards creator-owned work, such as uh, Undiscovered Country that he's got going with Image Comics. Uh, he's also spoken about creator-owned work with his uh, Batman Black Mirror collaborator, Francesco Francavilla. And he has teased a return to Weiches with his other Black Mirror collaborator, Jock which was awesome, by the way, which is was completely awesome. Um, he talks about the upcoming return of American Vampire with uh, Raphael Albuquerque. Va- American Vampire uh, was great, and then it went into space, and it got really weird. Not bad, but really you weird. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I read the last little bit of it. I don't yeah, think it I was, did. it was something. But I'm okay. Controversial here. I think Snyder's other stuff way better than his superhero stuff. I'm just gonna say it. Like his well, Batman sure, I mean, run was was good, but it kind of wandered off into some weirdness in the end and left a weird taste in my mouth. And uh, you know, his JLA run has been meh. 
at best. And not for lack of action, not for lack of like crazy story ideas and stuff. I would argue it's too much. It's just too much. And it, it's boiled down into nonsense, basically. Like we've got this Pandora and this dark dimensions and shit that can't stop invading and already have, but we're reading the story of how it's getting there. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that also yeah, might I mean, not be his fault. We don't know. Maybe this isn't yeah, Snyder's fault. Of course fault. it's his fault. This is not some story DC dictated from the mountain. No, I don't mean this dictated from the Snyder mountain story. I don't mean like that at all. I mean, as far as scheduling goes, maybe he planned to tell this whole JLA thing and it would roll into death metal and, and metal dark Knights metal or whatever. And things got screwed up when, you know, they're, editor-in-chief was fired and they were like just put it all out get it all out we're, we're doing it let's go you know i mean i don't know but it seems almost nonsensical to have um something like dark knight's running dark knight's death metal running and then the lead-up is also running in the pages of jla and then they tell us oh by the way you may not have known this <laughs> and you're reading it in real time but this story all happens before this, which is happening at the same time, and it's going to crash right into it. How is that going to work? Why would you do that? It makes yeah, no sense to me. I don't know, but we've talked about that at length already many times. I know, I know. This is, this is really more about the idea that Snyder is saying, hey, look, I'm not going away. I'm just, just expect something different from me. Um, I am ready for Snyder to step back into his own creator own stuff. Yeah, right. Definitely. Uh, he says, you know, he puts it this way. He wants to do things that don't take oxygen from the main line. Uh, he's also hoping to resume the DC writers workshop that he ran from 2015 through 2018 uh, to help bring up a new generation of writers. And I think that's a fine idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there are lots of creators out there that we have talked about on the show, Colin Bunn being one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, where they we were huge fans of their work, and then they went on to do mainstream stuff, and it just didn't really resonate with us. Yeah, uh, Joshua Williamson is another guy like that for me. I really like the indie stuff that he did, and I don't care about his superhero stuff. I just don't. Who not, I, I, you? Joshua Williamson. Oh, Joshua Williamson. Sure. Um, so, and um, that is not to say that like I have not enjoyed a lot of Snyder's superhero work, but I think you're right. Uh, it meanders. It, it's too big for its own good. Yeah. And um, I, I, I think that there's, um, I, I think a more narrow focus is where Snyder kind of excels. Stories that aren't about the the imminent heat death of the entire multiverse. Right, exactly. Or whatever the hell. Uh, David, David Robbins in the chat uh, described death metal as uh, being like, cool world <laughs> uh, it looks great but nobody knows what the hell is happening exactly <laughs> i totally agree and i want to talk about it with you guys and we're going to open the phone lines and we're going to do that in just a minute but before we do joe patrick hit us with the new question of the week all right so this week's question was a bit of a flip from jason Sachs's question uh, from a couple weeks ago. This one was submitted by Frank Cirillo via the forums. What nerd property as a kid did you think was stupid, but now you think it's really great? I love uh, either because you rediscovered it and it has a deeper meaning than you thought, 
or it was rebooted into something modern and amazing that you really enjoy. For example, his example, and we bagged on him pretty hard for it in the last couple of shows, Voltron. He didn't like the original Voltron. He loves the new Voltron, which I agree is great. It's totally great. I don't know how you didn't like the original, and I can't, I mean, look, if he calls today, I'm going to yell at him. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to yell. Well, maybe he'll be able. Maybe he'll be able to justify it. Okay. All right. We'll certainly see. I am turning off the do not disturb, so you can call us at 402-819-4894. We would love to talk with you. There's all kinds of stuff we want to talk about. Are you tired of Scott Snyder? Has he worn you out, or do you love it? Are we totally wrong? I would love to hear someone call and defend this Dark Knight's death metal stuff, please. Because again, it's not terrible. It doesn't make any sense. That's my problem. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? It's Brian Domingos. Good morning, Brian Domingos. How hey, are we today? Up, Brian? Good morning, guys. What's going on? We're rapping. We're talking comics. We're talking. We just got done talking about Scott Snyder's run on JLA and Dark Knight's death metal. He is stepping away, which is kind of nice. It's also National Spider-Man Day. So we are talking all things Spider-Man. If we want to rap about that, that would be awesome. But you could also Brian derail everything. Uh, he wants to talk well, about I, his love of injustice. <laughs> I, I'll get to that in a second. I like. Um, I don't have an answer for uh, for Frank's question, but I like the optimism that um, that nerds and geeks can change their mind and admit they were wrong about something. Yeah. I like uh, <laughs> that optimism because <laughs> I was like, I don't have. I was like, no, I feel the same way I felt for the last twenty something years, thirty years. Um, <laughs> so I, I couldn't think of one thing where I where I changed my mind about it, but. Um, the injustice year one um, thing. I just, <laughs> I, I want to share a very real moment I had um, after I, I read that uh, Bleeding Cool leaked um, story. Um, so I was having dinner. My wife made a, um, a lovely uh, chicken pot pie for dinner and we're sitting at the table. And, you know, as, as older children, people with children, we just sit quietly and look at our phones while we have dinner sometimes. <laughs> and, um, so I'm scrolling through Twitter and I'm, I'm look, you know, getting caught up on the day and I see it and I'm like, all right, like JSA. Yes. Like my heart, like rose, like I got that like good feeling. Cause that amazing man cover was so great that we with teased the other day. And then I see injustice year one um, JSA and it like plummeted so low <laughs> that I was like, I might have to call my doctor. Cause I feel that bad. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel, I feel like it's such a low, low that I was like, Ooh, like what, that's not a good feeling. Um, what was really upsetting was like, part of me knew they were going to do something like this. <laughs> like As it was like, I was like, there's no way, there's no way they're not going to, yeah. they're, they're going to rip the rug right off from under us at the very end and be like, but they're babies this time. And it's an animated show. You know, <laughs> like, ah. you know what? I'd be more interested in it if it was called injustice babies. <laughs> So, so this is what, so I, I read the thing, right. And I, I had this, this physical, emotional feeling and I'm eating dinner and I, I have, um, my beverage I'm drinking some nice organic lemonade and I'm pouring it into my cup, um, as I'm like looking and I'm sort of like staring off into the distance and I look down and I poured it into my bowl <laughs> because I was, I was so distraught and, and like disconnected from it's, it's my like a, current reality that I like completely like it's like a poorly written thing. comic like sight gag in an 80s like sitcom or right? like the dad is like whoa and pours his coffee I on his french like, toast you know yeah you know like when when you're whole, you keep pouring and you're watching but you're pouring too long and it spills everywhere it was like oh my god like that really 
was such a such a massive disappointment. And it's like <laughs> I I know that it's a big seller. I and I I mean I I have trouble believing it, but there's someone buying these books. I mean they sell better yeah. than and it's not even like they're selling very well. Sense. It's yeah. like it's GameStop and like in Comicsology and like Barnes and Noble. Like they are massive massive hits. Yeah. And I just, I just don't understand. Like, I don't get it. I don't get the appeal. I don't understand why anyone wants this, but Tom Taylor's doing something right. And I, I'm not, it's just, it's like, it's so not for me. I don't understand, but the, you know, I knew it was going to be an injustice thing because why not? It's basically printing money for them. Right. But, um, the JSA curve was, was, pretty catastrophic for me for about I don't know 270 seconds like my, my life was in a <laughs> severe <tip> that, like, <laughs> like, like I looked up and it's not like this wasn't like I, I you know I was curled to a ball it was like I read it I couldn't believe it I felt awful I filled up my bowl with lemonade and I looked at my wife and I was like, I can't believe that just happened. And she was like, what is going on? And I showed it to her and she was, and she, and she says, Oh, the JSA. Oh, no one wants that. Like, like she recoiled because, you know, so uh, yeah, I, it, um, it was, it was almost, it was just like the briefest flash of total cruelty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now here's the sad part. And the thing that scares me, they know exactly what they did. They, they won. They know exactly what they did. Two, they know exactly what they're doing in the sense that, like, just like Domingo said, this shit is selling like hotcakes. So yeah. maybe we are the problem. Maybe we're the dinosaurs. Well, like, I mean, there are lots of things that sell really well that we hate, but I, true. Uh, is, and you know, like, you know, I like I said when we were doing the news, and and like Brian mentioned, it's like people like these books. That's fine. I don't care if they want to make more injustice comics. No, I don't care. I don't care either. It's just the it's just the idea that somebody like Tom Taylor was going to get to resurrect the JSA had me feeling so hopeful for such a short amount of time. <laughs> well, and then they just stomped on it. What worries me, What worries me though is DC looking at this and going, "Yeah, this is what they want. This is what sells." So screw it. We don't even need a coherent universe whatsoever. We'll just keep throwing stories out there. doesn't matter. And we'll just bill it to try and trick Joe Patrick, Matt Baum, and Brian Domingos into getting excited. It's like, hey, it's the return of this thing that you love. Remember when you, and we're all like, yeah, we did love that. Like, yeah, it's awesome, right? But it's in this pocket, you know, story universe. It's in the Sean Murphy, you know, White Knight or Dark Knight or whatever the crap it is universe. Like, ugh. No, <laughs> I don't want that. You're not going to get me into wanting it the, either. The, it didn't. It didn't cost me other than you know, you know, tarnishing my my dinner bowl. It did not cost me anything. Um, and right, I don't know, yeah. six ounces of lemonade. But the um, like, I'm at the point with what they've been doing since because it's not because with rebirth it felt like coherent and like and even with like. I, I feel like they're still they're trying to figure things out and I'm really just kind of reading a lot of stuff and picking and choosing what I want to care about. Yeah. And it's easier to do that when it's not all connected. And like I I tried like I stuck with the um the Snyder thing through I think five volumes, four volumes. Like it was through like that that fifth dimension or whatever and like I don't know. Like I just I I don't think he's good at that. I don't think that's what he's obviously just like dark Knight metal. 
he's having a great time, right. but I don't care. They're having like, a blast writing this stuff. You can tell it's, it's, it's like a, you know, like a, like a nationally touring cover band act. Like you want to go see a cover <laughs> band of a Pearl jam cover band. Like, okay, I don't ever need to see that. Like, that's not for me. I, you know, you know, like the, all that stuff, like these things exist and it's like, they exist for someone that's not me yeah. and, and they're having a great say, time and I don't need it. So those musicians are I probably great to, at what they do. They kick ass. And I bet they put on a fantastic show. And I bet if you went, it's actually kind of fun. Is it Pearl Jam? No, it's not. Right. First and foremost. Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> it, it's like those, um, it's like, uh, when, and it'll, it'll even come to like some huge venue, like the Orpheum or, or, you know, whatever your local right, right. theater or arena is. And it's like such and such presents the music of queen. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh, that's not the same as queen. Is it? Right. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just afraid that DC is learning the lesson that this stuff is successful and fans will are allowed to just pick and choose whatever they feel like counts. And the universe slowly feels more and more disparate and broken and separate. And, and that's not what I loved about the DCU. Now, again, I, I don't want to come off as like hater cast where we're screaming about creators. We like Scott Snyder. We like Tom Taylor. I just feel like we're losing something in DC. Well, and but I mean, it's a video game tie-in. Like I'm not right. sweating a video game tie-in not fitting into the DCU. I don't care. No, but it's just, yeah. it's just more in the, the same the way that like, like, I'm not sweating a Teen Titans Go comic fitting into the, the DCU. No, it's just more the idea of like, here is your JSA return. This is what you wanted, right? Here it is. No, no, it's not. Right. That's yeah. <laughs> not what I want. Uh, like I, that amazing man cover. Like, my my heart swelled it grew three sizes <laughs> you know and i was just like yeah. god damn it that's oh please. brian i i am and sorry I that happened to you man but we've got some other people trying to call in so i'm gonna let you go here <laughs> yes i know i just i was like you know who would appreciate it these two nerds i'm they, glad you're okay thank you thank you for your okay. support brian <laughs> we appreciate you thanks brian all right guys talk to you later bye bye 402-819-4894. Someone was beating the door down, and I'm sorry. We were all <laughs> having a moment there. <laughs> yeah, I just worry that we're losing the thing that you and I loved about the DC Universe, and that's why I rail on and on about this. Like, well, it, it doesn't feel like it counts, or does that count, or where is this happening? You know, that's it's just me being scared. I'm an old, confused man. That's the problem. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. We're old and confused. Please say your name and in a loud voice so we can hear you. <laughs> Judy got a catch. Okay. I recognize it. I recognize uh, uh, <laughs> Something familiar. JD, how are you? What do you want to rap about today? I'm good. I'm good. What are we rapping so, about? Are we still, are we still talking about uh, JSA babies? Uh, we were talking yeah, about sure, JSA yeah. babies. Yeah. Dry Scotty no. Young. I saw you write that. I was Although like, I, I, I have to say that, uh, I don't know if it's the first appearance of the X babies, but uh, w one of the appearances of the X babies by Art Adams in an annual was the very first comic I bought off of a spinner rack. Dude, I love, love, love that issue. Okay. So normally the babyfication of stuff makes me want to die inside, but two yeah. exceptions, Muppet babies and the X babies. Yep. Totally fine with them. Oh yeah. Totally fine with them. <laughs> yeah. This was, uh, I think the annual number two, 12 it was from 89 it's the one with the high evolution it's the evolutionary war yeah, man yeah man that issue is amazing and the cover is so cool 
Oh yeah, with the big yeah, and you've got you've got you've got pre you've got pre ninja Psylocke, you've got the uh, Dazzler Rogue, oh, yeah. Long Shot, Love Triangle, yeah, and you've got Art Adams, who is an amazing yes. amazing artist, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody I know and like was on Twitter, and they were like, "Oh, you know, Art Adams just never did it for me." I always grouped him in with those '90s guys, and I think I pulled a chunk of my hair out, like not even. <laughs> yeah, like, no. What did you just say? Like, are you putting him like? Next to people like Rob Leefield? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Like I, I was seriously like, I was a while back. I was seriously hunting some old Monkey Man and O'Brien, trying to see if I could find love those some of that stuff in digital. God, I love those issues. I don't think that stuff's in print anywhere. That was Dark Horse, right? Yeah, that was that was uh, that was that came out in the exact same line as Hellboy. Yeah, that was in the Legendary. With the uh, yeah, little, Legend little was Island the name of it. It was kind of their their superhero line. Dark Horse has attempted like a more superhero centric kind of thing. Didn't they stick concrete in there too, which made little or no sense? Yep. To be um, like- concrete may well, have been in there. Yeah. Sin City was in there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that legendary wasn't the superhero was line. There, it was was a, like there their- were two lines that came out at the same time. There was Legendary, and then there was their and Comics Greatest World. Yeah, that's right. Comics Greatest. Yeah, World. Comics Greatest. Yeah, yeah, and that was with. Because the, the superhero line was with Ghost and X and Barbed Wire, yeah, Motorhead, and wire, yeah, Motorhead, and was the legendary there. <laughs> was Concrete, Hellboy, Monkey Man, and O'Brien. Yeah, so Le- Legend was like there, like this is our big name creator owned. Your Frank Miller, yeah, your John yeah, Burns, like, it was your basically Mike this is our not licensed shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. So Legendary was a creator spotlight thing. Yeah. I wanted to talk about a book the that I got like caught up on this Easter week Island that heads. I was really digging on, and to me it was the, the kind of the methadone I needed for my lack of Warren Ellis. Uh, I got caught up on, and I know you, you're kind of lukewarm on this creator sometimes, Matt, but uh, Kieran Gillen's uh, Once in Future. It's so ah, good. It's, I love that book. It is so good. <laughs> And I'm not the only thing that bothered me about Kieran Gillen, honestly, I think was that die book. That's the only one where I was just like, man, he is really now you don't like phonogram either. You don't like that cutesy Brit pop shit. I didn't mind photo. It was fine. It was fine. But yeah, it did feel like an exercise to write a lot of like high dollar scrabble words into a comic book (laughs) (laughs) all right cool the thing I loved about once in future was uh, I I could like like I was casting it as I was reading it like I I want Maggie Smith as 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 the lead so bad yeah Yeah, (laughs) most definitely that she'd be perfect like I, I could hear her like in that Dowager Countess voice saying some of the lines like I'm sure you want to scream now, but no time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's excellent casting. <laughs> uh, yeah, that book is so great, and I'm I'm really happy that they bumped it up from a mini to an ongoing. Um, I need yeah. to get caught up. I'm, yeah. I, I don't think I I don't think I'm up to date since they started their ongoing schedule, but um, I loved that first arc. I loved it. Yeah, I, I just read the first arc uh, because the first three issues were available on Unlimited, and then the last three issues were like three bucks a piece, or the trade with all six was nine dollars. So again, it's that weird comicsology math. Yeah. That <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it it confuses the, the hell out of me, but I, I get books for a pretty good discount. So okay, so I admit I'm 
completely comicsology ignorant. I've, like I've read some stuff on comicsology, but I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. bought sequential issues. What is the difference if you buy sequential issues or buy the trade? Like you'll automatically, if you're reading the sequential issues, it'll take you to the next issue when you're done, right? If you have yeah. it in your collection. Yeah. So yeah. why buy the trade at all? Because the trade is genuine. Uh, well, in this circumstance, because the trade is a hell of a lot cheaper. Uh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> and so also because, like, I had the first three issues on Unlimited, but those were borrows. They'll eventually go away. Yeah. Um, and then, so I just wanted the whole thing. And also, you get the trade dress, too. I mean, it's not just a collection of the digital issues in the app. It's the trade dress. So you get any additional back matter that they added. Okay. Anything like that. That's no, okay. So that's that's the thing. And then also the other thing about getting single issues versus trades is if you're getting it day and date, you know, okay. My model to, to feel better about being a digital guy is I, I buy, I generally buy individual issues on comiXology and then I'll go to legend and get the trade. If I like the series. Fair enough. And that I way, I, totally that way, I don't, you know, cringe and and, and guilt every time I walk in the doors. <laughs> sure, <laughs> fair, that's totally they're not fair. judging you. No, no judgment. I mean, right now we just need to read comics and I know, talk about them to keep them. Well, alive, maybe so. Dave. No, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. maybe Dave just a little. <laughs> Could be. But yeah, Once in Future was really, really good. I really, I love that, and I was so, I, I was so happy to see Black Magic come back. Like I, I never thought that book was coming back, and I it wasn't until I saw you guys' reading list, I was like, "Oh shit, it's back!" Yeah, I totally forgot about it when Joe put it on his review list. I was just like, "Black Magic, what is that?" And then I looked, I was like, "Oh man, I loved this book. <laughs> I totally forgot it was a thing." Yeah, and I was like, I thought I thought it was going to go by the wayside, like so many Rekka projects do. Yeah, but I guess I guess with all the with all the 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 heat he's got on him right now from uh, Old Guard, he's. He's got to put. He's got to, you know, make hay with the sun shines. Yeah, I suppose he got. I mean, you know, the guy got really busy with Old Guard as well. He was writing it. He's like billed as one of the producers and stuff. So I get it. Actually, actually, no. His his creator own work famously stuttered to a halt, and he admitted this on his blog with Wonder Woman. Oh, really? Yeah, it was when he signed on to go back to DC that he put everything on hold. Lazarus went quarterly. Oh no, that's right. Black Magic. That's right. Stopped. Uh, Black Magic stopped. Uh, he gave up on his webcomic altogether. He was doing two issues of Wonder Woman a month at DC at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, yeah, because he and he and Nicola Scott were. Well, that's why Black Magic stopped is because he brought Nicola Scott with him to Wonder Woman. That's right. Okay. Yeah, because one story was like uh, rooted like in the future or in the present, and the other one was like one yeah. of past. And right, right, it was good. It was really good, as I recall. Oh, man, but, Greg Rucka, I love that dude, and I love Black Magic, and I oh, need yeah. to catch up on that. I feel bad I couldn't review yeah, it this week. <laughs> Rucka's such an interesting dude to talk to, too. I mean, he's just so just interesting and friendly, and and he's so so much fun to just listen to him you know, go on about old detective series and stuff like that. Yeah. He's a serious pulp noir nerd. Definitely. Jeff, I got yes, somebody else is. trying to get in here, so I'm going to cut you off, man, but it's good to talk to you. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Have a good one. Bye, JD. Yep. Hey, if you Bye. haven't already, check out JD's latest uh, Lake House column available exclusively Bye. on TwoHeadedNerd.com. Oh, oh, look at that. Wow. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? 
Matt Bomb, it is Rusky South. Rusky friggin' what? South? They, what? They told us you were dead. <laughs> I know. I've been gone for a while. Rusky, but how I, are you, but man? I listen every, every week. You've just been lurking. Ah. Listening and lurking, huh? Lurking. So, yeah, r- just uh, listening while I'm at my boring job and thinking about comics, I guess. Catch us up. What is Rusky reading now? What are you into? Rusky's, a, we should introduce him. He is an old friend of Joe and I's. He used to come into the shop that we managed years and years and years ago. He was the sweetest, like, little Superman nerd, and we slowly perverted him and turned him into a monster over the years that he came in. So, Rusky, we worked for them at Fernando's, too. And we worked for them at Fernando's as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is accurate. Yeah, I I just, I, I'm glad I got, I've tried. I've tried to call before, but sometimes I can't get through. So then, uh, I don't know, but today I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm trying. <laughs> what are you, you reading it, these days? What do you want? What do you want to rap about? You know, actually, you know, I did, I did want to, so one thing I'm reading right now, it's not a comic, but it's a book. It's, uh, it's by the, um, uh, Ernest Klein, uh, Armada. Have you guys read that? I have not. He did. He did uh, I'm sorry. What's like a, his, what's a, a book yeah, you did, called it? Does it have it's pictures? A book? Yeah. Like an actual book. <laughs> So no pictures at all? My wife saw me reading it, and she's like, you're reading an actual book? Like a book (laughs) without pictures? And I go, yeah. So I read Ready Player One because I saw the movie. Oh, gotcha. And I don't know if you guys have read that. But, you know, I really really liked the book. And then I was like, oh, I'll read Armada. And it's it's pretty good, too. You know, video games. Fun. So, yeah. It's not a continuation, though, right? It's a separate story? No, 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 he's doing a he's yeah, doing Ready a Redder, he's doing out. a Ready Player One sequel though called Ready Player Two. Oh, oh boy! Right, and uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, read an actual book. But I, the question of the week is that it's future timelines, right? No, or but we on the wrong. We can play week? on that though. Future timelines. Let's talk about them. <laughs> this week we were the question well, no, of the week was know, something I, you didn't like as a kid, and as you got older, you you there was either a new take on it. Or you learn to appreciate it, like a nerd thing like that. You know, like broccoli. No, more like you hated broccoli yeah. as a kid, but now as an adult, you think, yeah, broccoli's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess something I probably appreciated more as an adult, like uh, ner- anything nerd-wise. Yeah, anything. Hmm. Yeah, anything. You know, I think I've gone back, and you know, obviously, I've always, you know, I'm a huge, uh, you know, Superman nerd, obviously, but I. I think, you know, uh, I've really appreciated Batman more lately, even though I've always appreciated Batman. Yeah. But a couple of weeks ago, you guys, you know, we were, you were talking about the anniversary of the 89 Batman and that, that movie is what really kicked everything off for me. Oh, like yeah. as far as liking comics, you know, cause I was, I was like eight years old, you know, and everybody loved that movie, you know, but recently I want to talk to you guys. I watched, have you guys seen, um, it's, I think it's called Batman and no, not Batman and me. It's, um, Batman and Bill. Sorry. I'm Batman and Bill. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. We, we talked about movie? it briefly, I think last week, cause I watched it too. It's amazing. It is. I, I watched it again. Cause I was just in Batman mode. Cause every time the summer comes out, I want to watch the Keaton Batman. And then with all the talk about, you know, him coming back and just like, you know, getting all fired up about Batman again, obviously I've always appreciated it, but now I'm like in Batman mode. And I, I watched that and I'm like, I cannot believe that that guy researched and tracked down like the true story of how Bob Kane was a basically a huge jerk. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the sad part was like DC knew all this. Absolutely knew all this. Yeah. It was not a secret by any means. And they were just like, mm. ah, screw that other guy. <laughs> and for yeah, no reason like, either. It's not like he was a bad guy or he was a jerk. Yeah. It, I think he was probably just too nice. And they were like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he just, it was so sad because he, you know, he, 
basically co-created Batman. And it sounds like he was actually the one that really came up with the Batman we know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then he just died poor, you know, alone, like, you know, almost like Tesla, you know, just like, yeah, no one even knew any, you know, just, I, I just thought it was, it was a really great documentary. And that guy that did all that research, man, he, uh, that was unbelievable. It was really well put together. Definitely. If you haven't seen that Batman and Bill where it's streaming right now. And is that on Amazon? Uh, I think Hulu. it's only on Hulu. On Hulu. Okay. Go check that out. Like it's though. a Hulu, oh. like a Hulu exclusive. So you have to have Hulu, unfortunately, but it's, it's worth, even if you get Hulu for a, a month and just watch that, it's worth it. <laughs> well, you don't have to have Hulu. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, <that's> true. <laughs> exactly. uh, uh, like yeah, no, I, I totally but, agree. It so was an amazing it. documentary. And like, it, uh, like I, I was so happy by the end of it, uh, by what that guy accomplished and uh, and now, Bill Finger's name will be next to Bob Kane's forever. So, yes. which is it, almost a it, damn yeah. shame because Bob Kane is like one of the reasons like Bill Finger's name was not there. <laughs> so, yes. well, I, like, I mean, just, the documentary. <laughs> go ahead, Rusky. No, you guys go ahead. Well, yeah, the, and I don't know if this is what you're going to say, but the documentary, like, if they go back and listen to these recordings of Bob Kane. And you can tell he's lying in yeah. the recordings. Yes. Like, yeah. You could just, it's so obvious. And I'm just like, you are a monster. And I used to, <laughs> as a kid, I thought Bob Kane was the greatest because he was one of those, the few guys that actually came out of that time with actually still owning the rights to Batman. Right. You know, his, his father or somebody had, obviously he knew what he was doing and he, he ma managed to keep the rights to where he got credit for all that time. But really it wasn't him. And, I don't know. I just, I don't know what you were going to say, Joe, but it was just, I don't know. I just, I was like, hey, so uh, well, uh, I was going to say the documentary goes into it a little bit about like how Kane came to Bill Finger and specifically made a deal with him saying like, you're going to be the ghost writer. It's going to be my name. I'll draw it, but you'll write it. Yeah. And, and Finger agreed to it. But, but when like he finally, you know, figured out, it's like, oh man, I made a huge mistake. I need to come after what's mine. Like they squashed it. Well, it they was just totally, it, it was like it washed was him under late. the rug. They're like, sorry, we already yeah. wrote that. We already wrote the history book. So sorry. Yeah. yeah I can't reprint it. Sorry. Yeah, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> we can't, we can't just go plug in the truth. I, I, you understand, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that, yeah. And that's what it was like for years. And then even when this guy was doing the research and he figured out, you know, so Bill Finger had a son, but his son was gay. So he didn't have any kids. He thought, but then he found out he did have a kid. Yeah. And then, um, or that he had, yeah, he had a, a daughter, a daughter. He had died of AIDS. And then the, then he tracked down this daughter who's probably like in her, I don't know if she's in her thirties now or late thirties. And, but that was the only way. And then she had to start pushing for it, which it still took a while. Even after they figured out, you know, DC started going, or Warner Brothers started going, Hey, come to the, come to this premiere, come to this. And they, they still didn't really they tried want to, to appease her. Yeah. Of, yeah. It's, it, they were just trying to like, you know, come to the premiere, here's some money, here's this, but they didn't, re they didn't really want to go through the legal hassle of, and I'm sure they have to give her money now, I'm guessing. Well, oh, I would yeah. assume because his name is there, they made some type of good with the estate. I, yeah. You would guess it's, a, I'm sure there was money involved, of course. I, similar stuff like this, Stan Lee did very similar stuff too. Now, not to the same degree, because we know those names, 
But we also mm-hmm. know that a lot of those names, like Steve Ditko, never really gotten taken care of. Jack Kirby never really got taken care of. And, and Stan Lee came to him and said, like, I'm going to be the face. I'm going to be the guy. You guys do the work. And they were just nerds. And I think Bill Finger was a similar guy where he's like, he was probably quiet. I didn't even think they were nerds. This was back during a time where it's just like, this is my job. Well, yeah. I'm, that- a, I'm a draftsman. I know how to draw. I used to draw technical manuals for the army. Right. I'm going to draw. You're right. Uh, Will, like Will Eisner drew a, an army magazine. Yeah. You know, and, and like Jack Kirby, I think did something similar. And they're just like, well, I guess I created Captain America. <laughs> Well, but at the same time, uh, Stan Lee was the face man and the talker. And Kane was also like, he was perfectly comfortable doing the interviews and talking. And I don't think Finger was. I think he was a shy guy. And it just seemed like this makes sense. And he got screwed because of it. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, it, it's really did. It, uh, um, what was I to this day, to this day, like there are still a lot of people that if you asked, you know, who created X? Yeah. They'll say Stanley. Yeah. And not mention anybody else's name because they don't know. Oh, Thor. Uh, yeah, Stan Lee. Love him. Yeah, and like and Spider Man, like Wolverine. Stan, Stan certainly, <laughs> Stan certainly had a huge impact. Like, not to diminish his involvement in any way, but the involvement of his collaborators was diminished in a way that it was shameful. Yeah, and in the case right. of DC and Bill Finger, uh, like. I wish I could call it criminal because yeah. they like literally lied about it. Yeah. It, it certainly does seem that way, but from the way, cause like we all knew there was a story there, but that documentary it's bad. It is bad. It is. <laughs> what happened? It's like, I'm like, yeah. it's like monstrous. Like I, I yeah. was getting mad. Like the first time I watched it, I went and watched it again. Cause I'm like, I cannot believe this. And, and, and you, you guys know my wife, Chris. And I was like, Chris, you got to see this. Like, this is like, yeah, the, yeah. she doesn't care about it. It's on the level if, like, we found <laughs> right. out that, like, Frank Oz didn't write, or L. Frank Baum didn't write The Wizard of Oz. It was actually this other guy, and he edited it. You know, like, he put the commas yeah. in the right fucking place and got his name on the cover. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, so then down the road, Bob Kane stopped, like, doing anything with the books. And then he, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, him holding up those giant, like beautiful Batman pictures. Yeah. Like uh-huh. he, he started doing more like gallery type stuff. Well, then it turns out he wasn't even drawing those. He had a ghost artist. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was he doing anything? Or was he just, like you said, the face? I mean, I think he did some stuff. But yeah. I'm like, what did you do? I, I think that he did draw it in his younger days, but by the time like, yeah. we hit the 60s and 70s yeah. and he was an old man, Rusty you know, probably. It is so good to talk to you, man, and we miss you, and we demand you call back. I got some other people trying to get on here, though. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off. Sorry to go on and on. I know we got off on some tangents. No, that was great. No, that was a great discussion. That was fantastic. Thanks, Rusky. Good to hear from you, man. Rusky friggin' South. That is a dude. Love that guy. I'll tell you what. Back in the day, I was like, I wish I had a sister that I could marry that guy and make him my brother or make one of my brothers gay and they can marry him. (laughs) Damn it. Just because, you know, I didn't want to marry him. He's a redhead. Yeah, yeah he's a soulless ginger. Uh, 402-819-4894. I see you desperately trying to get in here. Call now and we will let you in. would still like to talk some Spidey. Too. Do it now. It is Do National it. Spider-Man it Day. I believe we have nonstop Spider-Man coming next month. Whatever the hell that means. Oh, Joe Kelly, though. Yeah. yeah, which I'm excited for, but it has the worst title in the world. Terrible title. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who dis? 
Good morning, gentlemen. David Robbins calling. David Robbins, saw you lurking hey, in the morning, chat. Hey, good morning, David. How are you? Uh, well, I'm a little bummed out today because I should be in Indianapolis at Gen Con this weekend, yeah. but obviously that's yeah. not happening. Yeah. But uh, talking to you guys is a nice little balm to uh, soothe the wound. Fair enough. I mean, you can still David, put on your did you hear this us. week's regular show? Uh, I have not yet. Matt Baum has pledged to review Vampire the Masquerade number one next week it's in true. your honor. It, it comes Outstanding. out. I think, it, was it Titan I was putting it out? I can't remember now. Vault. The Vault. I think, Vault right? Comics putting it out, yeah. and I said, this one's for you, David Robbins. I am reviewing Vampire the Masquerade number one. <laughs> Outstanding. Thank you. Pretty sir. sure that's how you say I, uh, it. <laughs> I, I think my copy, my copy should be it's on its way to my shop uh, in the next week as, uh, as well. You're fired up, though. You're excited. You think it's going to be good? Uh, I'm hoping it is. Uh, the Moonstones were hit and miss. They had some that were about individual clans. They had some that were just uh, overall politics. They right. were a little hit and miss, but uh, I'm hoping that these are decent. Tim Seeley, though. I mean, like, he's a talented guy. Teeny Howard. Indeed. She's great. Indeed. So, I mean, they've got, not to take anything away from the Moonstone stuff. I'm sure those people were talented as well. They're not names that <laughs> I recognize. You know, this is, <laughs> this is pretty big name stuff. Moonstone. Absolutely. Moonstone was like the place you'd go. Uh, for things that Dynamite could not get the license to. Kind of, yeah. Or didn't want, yeah. like Kolchak the Night Stalker. Or Dynamite had the license yeah. to, and this was just slightly different. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but hey, like, I, th I, I agree. I think these writers are, are talented, and there's no reason to expect it to be bad. Uh, but that's not why David called. David, what do you want to rap about today? Um, well, I... I I heard the question of the week um, and like uh, Brian earlier, I don't really have anything that I've kind of changed my mind on over the years. Um, other than to like the one minor thing I would say with this is starship troopers. Um, I will say that I will always say that it's not a good movie, but it is less bad every time you see it. Yeah. Um, but good, bad I can appreciate the, like this is propaganda thing that the movie is trying to say that went way over my head 20 years ago. Same here. It was totally lost on me as a kid. And I was just like, yeah. this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. Like, I don't yeah. know what, and I loved RoboCop so much that I was completely fired up for dude's next movie. Paul Verhoeven, right? Yeah. I okay. Think so. yeah. And I was so excited and I went and saw it and they were like, Oh, it's based off this amazing sci-fi book as well. That uh, Robert Heinlein right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And the book is amazing. The book is absolutely amazing. I read it and was like, this is so fantastic. And I watched the movie and was like, this is like a goddamn video game. What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then years later I watched it again and I went, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I truly believe it is less bad every time you watch it. Well, and um, I read something from Verhoeven that said like that movie, when he made it, there was like a four hour cut of that movie. And the, sure. and the studio was like, yeah. no, this is an action film. We want it like a tight, you know, 90 minutes or whatever. And so they left the bulk of the film on the cutting room floor and it never got released. He doesn't know like where the other cuts were, I, which is a damn shame. I'm not saying I want to see a four hour movie, but there was a lot of stuff in the book that never made it to the movie that would have, I think, better spelled out the idea of the world and what kind of propaganda they were trying to sell you. That makes absolute sense because Heinlein is is wordy in, in and of oh, himself. Yeah. 
Um, I was, I, had, I took a, a fantasy fiction course when I was in college. And one of the uh, books in the, in the curriculum was the uncut stranger in a strange land. That was like 50,000 words. Yeah. It's huge. <laughs> giant trade, which is an outstanding read. Um, it's, it's really good. I've listened to the, um, the edit, like the regular audiobook, which is still like a 10 hour audio book. So I can yeah. only imagine like this one would be like a 36 hour audio book or something. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so as, as I was saying, um, the, I, I don't that's the only thing I really kind of have a, a change of opinion on, but mainly as I've grown up, I've kind of just decided to, instead of saying this is garbage, I've kind of tried to go to, this isn't for me. Yeah. Um, and you know, try as, as my, my, one of my good friends says, I try not to yuck somebody else's yum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it like this, this isn't for me. You know, I have a good friend that he and I love a lot of the same things. He has hated every Disney star Wars movie. And I'm like, dude, these movies are not for you anymore. Yeah. They're, they're for kids and I enjoy them. But if you don't, Stop saying their crap just because you don't enjoy them. Right. You know what you would like? Star Trek. You should check out yeah. Star Trek, sir. If you need more story and narrative and character-driven stuff, Star Trek. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's for adults. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, I hope, I, I like what you're saying there, David, and I hope it doesn't yeah. come off on this show when Joe and I start ranting about stuff. I worry about that, that we could come off as just like hater cast because there's so much of that shit out there and it's not good for anybody. And like, even at the beginning of this show, we were yelling about Scott Snyder. We both like Scott Snyder. We just don't care for the Scott Snyder stuff that's oh, going on. in the, the, the injustice, shit. the injustice story is, the, is sure. a prime example. It's yeah. Like, lots and lots of yeah. people love injustice. We don't. That's okay. Yeah. And that's fine. I just hope we don't I come enjoy, off as like, hey, I enjoy cast. the games. I enjoy the Injustice games. I haven't tried to read any of the Injustice comics because that is a world I don't need more of. I enjoy the games for what they are, but I don't need any more of that. And as, as far right. as you guys making the opinions on that, you guys come from a little bit different point of view than us listeners, than us fans, because you are technically the you know in the journalism industry of critically reviewing these things as part of that field. Let me just real and, quick remove uh, the words yeah, critical we, and no, journalism. Wait, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot to unpack in that, stand, in that sentence. I want those words as far away from the show as possible. Okay. Critical <laughs> journalism. Uh, I think that's the first time anybody's called us that. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Let's, okay. If we can just stick with like you guys, fart jokes and you buffoonery. Guys review things, <laughs> you guys review things that makes you critics. Okay. All right. If you review right. things that makes you a critic of it, and if you are putting out a, a podcast, a, a website, uh, a blog, anything that is reviewing something and stating your views on it and reviewing it with a uh, buy it, like it, uh, skim it or leave it, that's journalism. Man, All right, but can we at least say that we're more like the uh, John Lovitz critic and less like the Roger Ebert critic? Yes, definitely. <laughs> you're not you're not the Roger Ebert critic because you're not snobs about it. That's true. We try like not to. Yeah, that's all right. that's fair. It's, we're not snobs about it. I guess that's what it, it, that's it, what I'm trying you're, to say. You're giving, I hope we don't come off. You're as giving snobs your honest sometimes. opinions about it from the point of view of someone who has from people who have worked in a shop and who have been reading and consuming this stuff yeah, for twenty plus fans. years. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like at the end of the day, I, I I keep trying to admit, like, look, this is my. You want to hear how irrational 
my problem with injustice is. Here's how irrational and stupid it is. I, and I totally admit this is my problem. I got the game, got like the second one, I think. It was super cheap on Xbox. And I was like, yeah, screw it, man. I'll beat up a bunch of DC superheroes. That'll be fun. And it was sure. like I was playing a Shazam or somebody, like really, really powerful. And friggin' Catwoman kicked the shit out of me? Like, hold on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's every fighting game. I know, but that's a problem. It's fighting like, no, game. You, that's you just fighting game me, mentality, like, though. Yeah, but in my head, I'm like, no, 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 no. Sorry. Absolutely not. That, that's like Galactus shows up and friggin' Herbie, you know, from the Fantastic Four kicks his ass. You know? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, no. But by, by that rationale, by that rationale, you can't use, you can't put those properties into like the legendary uh, deck building game. If, if your players are going up against Galactus as the mastermind, you should never win. I totally they agree. They make them difficult. That's why they, they shouldn't make it be in those possible. games. It's, that's how close-minded and ridiculous my statement is. I right, agree with that. You're off the rails now, Bob. <laughs> I'm cutting you off. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that is your, you know, uh, critical neuroses. Yes. I have, uh, I have a, a personal, like irrational neuroses where I just can't stand Vin Diesel. Fair uh, enough. Like that's my, that's my personal thing. I don't know why. And Russell Crowe. I don't know why I just, it is what it is. And I accept it and I move on. You know what bothers me about Russell Crowe? He can't decide if he wants to be fat or not. Just pick one, man. <laughs> Be fat or don't be fat, you know, but like this, he's method, this like herky and then dumpy and then herky and then dumpy, you know, and he's whatever he's whatever the rule requires of him. I'll tell you, what, Vin Diesel always looks good. Always does. not an actor. Mind you, not an actor. True. The guy is look, bad it, at his look, job. Matt, if we are, if him. we are critical journalists, <laughs> then Vin Diesel is an actor. No, We're I'm going to have to accept that. I'm saying he's bad at his job and I love him. Okay. I didn't hey, say he was a good he actor. May be bad about, he may be bad at his job. But it's about family. It's true. It's all about family. <laughs> David, it is good to talk to you, man. We got some other people trying to get in here. All right, guys. All right. Talk to you Take later. Care. Thanks, David. Yes, Patrick points out, I am well aware of how awful I am. I agree with that. And that's why whenever, and I, Joe, you do a good job of it too. Whenever we bag on something, we give a reason why we're bagging on it. And we say this might be for someone else. Rarely do I think we just come out and say something is garbage. Just pure garbage. Unless... It's pure garbage. <laughs> I mean, if sometimes a thing is deserving. Yeah. Yeah. Certain things. I think the last thing that I really trashed was that, uh, uh I think it was the crow hack slash miniseries that Tim Seeley did. I loved Tim Seeley. That miniseries was garbage. Just pure garbage. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover to caller. Who this? Oh, uh, this is Michael Severe. Honored to be talking to some journalists. Michael How you Severe. Yes. Well, it's good to talk to uh, another journalist, Michael. You're in you go, <laughs> good company yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> We're good just having all peer. journalist radio right now. This <laughs> is going right. to be an awesome podcast. <laughs> I saw you got your COVID test the other day. I, I did. That, that actually was my kids getting theirs. Oh. I got mine. It took, mine took 10 minutes to do. My wife decided to go to this other place where it took an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, my to do. God. So choose your locations wisely yeah, if no you're going to get a COVID test. But we're all yeah. good. We're all clear over there? Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody's alive. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's good. Good. No problems here. Good. Yeah. I want to answer the, uh, the question of the week. Let's do um, it. Please. Yeah. And, and, and mine is kind of silly because the thing that made me start liking something is, is not exactly a good thing. But I thought Archie Comics as a kid was so silly. 
uh, just didn't get it. it. Read some of it, thought, who is this grown up? Leave it to Beaver stuff. 100%. Didn't like it. 100%. And then I watched the first two seasons or first season of Riverdale. And I went, you know, putting this in the real life of the kind of issues that Archie had and having to deal with a, a brunette, a redhead and a blonde all in the same week. I mean, I got respect for it. <laughs> and so I, uh, I actually started you know, kind of digging it. Now I stopped after season two because it, it completely went off the rails for me. But it did make me kind of appreciate Archie Comics better. I'm with you 100%. I hated Archie Comics. Hated it. I was it. a huge – Archie was a huge gateway, uh, gateway drug into comics for me because they sold them at every grocery store right next yep. to the register. See, I just can't remember an age where I would have been young enough to pick it up and be like, this is fun. You know, I just never cared. And I love Riverdale. It is the trashiest shit in the world. <laughs> it is. And I watched soap operas growing up with my grandmom, and I watched soap operas throughout college. And so it's just like the new level of soap opera. Yeah. You know? It's, 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 it's so trashy. And, man, I know what you're talking about, how it went off the rails in season two. It totally did with, like, the gang and everything and the murders. And then Archie, like, the serial to killer. A, yeah. And the, Archie, yeah, Archie yeah, yeah. a vigilante. Red Hood. I just, yeah. I loved it. I totally loved it. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's just go. Let's do it all. <laughs> and I, I, I want to address Hebrews, who did your review. And I'm so glad people are helping you guys, you know, give us a longer show because they do stuff. But, Hebrews made a little sly comment about Remember the Titans, which in my opinion is one of the best sports films in the world. <laughs> I love that movie. Saying, well, what they were tr- what they were trying to do with Remember the Titans. No, they did what they were trying to do with Remember the Titans. <laughs> that is a great movie. It and, is a great movie. You, I, I'm not I'm not mistaken. Aren't you guys against hate speech? You're against that, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right? You know. Okay. Well, to, no, to we like somebody, hate speech when it's funny. To tell somebody <laughs> to tell somebody to watch the WNBA is true hate speech. I mean, you can't just do that out in public like that. What are you, who are you mad at, Hebrews? Why would you want to do that to somebody? Force them to watch the WNBA and pay for a season pass? That's 16 bucks to go to six Big Macs or whatever. Come on. What are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I watched the WNBA. I'm glad the WNBA exists. Okay? It's a thing. Yeah, I'm glad yeah, it good exists. For them. Good for Yeah, it's great. I'm not going to yeah. watch it. You, know? you guys are really showing your whole asses right now. I hope you know that. <laughs> Uh, if I, I can't appreciate- make fun of the WNBA, hey, I make fun of the NBA. <laughs> so I mean, I gotta be, I gotta be across the, both genders. You know, I gotta make fun of both. Yeah, that's that's equal opportunity. Uh, I really equal appreciate. Remember the Titans uh, for giving us the uh, the star of Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Yes, uh, which, as Fast. far as I know, is the only other movie that kid has been in. I think so. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's probably not true. But- the Gettysburg speech is one of the greatest. Speeches in any movie history. Oh, it's what great. Are you and talking about that is that is I, I get thinking about that speech. That's why I wanted to go through the phone and beat up Hebrew when he said that. Hebrews, <laughs> I apologize. I'm gonna pluralize that. I love um, the movie. Yeah. It's a great speech, but you have to admit, like after that speech, like everyone that was such a racist prick just instantly went, Oh, wait, I'm totally wrong. Anyway, okay, now we're a team. <laughs> like, that's all it took. That's how it happened. <laughs> that's how it happened. Looking through oh, Ryan Gosling is in Remember the Titans. Yeah, baby anymore. Gosling. I mean, come on. It, it turns like it turns on a dime. Of course. The Undertaker. Just no like, longer racist. Just like any good sports film. I mean, like, there's that moment where like the lovable right. losers come together and now we can yeah. do it. You know, they just didn't do a montage. They did a speech instead. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy did. The guy. The guy did get paralyzed. So it wasn't like all happy ending. Right. He didn't like die. Right. So I mean, it was, 
it wasn't all happy. They kind of stuck to the storyline, but one of my favorite sports movies. I just think, and thank you, Hebrews, for doing the what's in a book look thing. And that's great doing on basketball movies, but don't be taking shots at football movies because they're more important than basketball movies. Fair so just remember that. Wow. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, next time on Basketball versus uh, Football Movies, Gas. Basketball versus Football. Football's better. Thank you very much. I mean, it's, it's a tough argument. I do love one a little more than the other. I'm not going to go on record, but I do love one a little more than the other. <laughs> Michael, about it this way: If basketball doesn't happen, the, com- the the economy still goes. If football doesn't happen, universities will close. That so is think about what's more important. That's that is true. Fair is. point. Now, with that said, bubble basketball, yeah. I would argue, is going to be a lot better than bubble football. Well, you can't do bubble football. Yeah. Think about having seventy people you can't in an organization it. with coaches and players in one with a hotel. Yeah, and then having all the trainers and stuff. You can't do bubble football. Well, bubble football would be just—it's it's not just people. College kids. It's hard enough to get oh. college kids to not fight each other, you know, get drunk, crash their cars, <laughs> like, let alone be responsible enough to not get COVID. <laughs> no. Well, thinking about an entire conference could come down just because Bobby Ray broke up with Susie Joe and got upset and went out to the bar totally. to get drunk. And <laughs> yeah. you know, he brings COVID to everybody. Yeah. It doesn't take much. That's all it takes. Yeah. Exactly. Michael, it is always good to talk to you, brother. Thanks, journalist. Appreciate it. <laughs> Bye, buddy. <laughs> uh, Apparently I'm, I'm apparently I'm wrong. The kid from, uh, remember the Titans is not the same kid from Tokyo drift. Lucas black. Really? Is the kid I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. He remember the Titans is not in his list of credits. Okay. When you said it, I think I just forced him in there and now I can picture that. I just looked and I can. So see it's the just other- another handsome white kid. He was in Friday night lights. Yeah. So maybe that's where I got my wires crossed. He was in Friday night lights. Um, he played Pee Wee Reese in the movie 42 hey, about right. Jackie Robinson. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? Hey, this is Trevor. Trevor. How you doing, man? Good. Good to have you back. What do you want to rap about today, brother? Well, it's officially August 1st mm-hmm. and this month we were supposed to get the Falcon and Winter Soldier and we have to wait again. Yep. Everything else. It's true. So I wanted to just, uh, I guess, speculate and dream about what could have been and what we might see eventually. (laughs) If we get to see, here's the thing. Yeah. Why are we pushing TV shows back that are already filmed? That's what I I think they, I don't know that they they actually got it. Yeah. They actually got cut off. Like they were almost done, but they did have to stop filming. So why not give us four episodes and tease us and then it'll be back in two months or six months or whatever. I mean, come on. Yeah. Seriously. Why, why isn't everyone just in the Mandalorian volume? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and now I see the Mandalorian novel got pushed back to what is that crap? <laughs> uh, Not that I care about the novel, but apparently there's a novel coming too. And it was pushed back. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Disney plus teased us with all this stuff and moved it up because first they said it was like oh it's way off and it's coming and then they went no we're moving it all way up and now suddenly it's all moved way back like wandavision got pushed back to like 2022 or something like that no just to the spring 2021 okay because it was going to come out in december yeah i don't get it i don't know what's going on with disney plus and i think they're going to be in trouble if they don't start giving us some stuff and no offense to beyonce but I don't know what that Black is King thing is at all. Apparently it's been... It's a visual album. <laughs> what does that mean? 
It's an hour and a half music video. Yeah. And it spins out of like the music she did for the Jungle Book, I guess. Uh, oh, I don't know. A Lion that. King. There's, the there's Lion like King. Lion King the Lion King. Stuff in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because like I saw a commercial for it. Hey, Matt. Hakuna Matata, bud. <laughs> Just. <laughs> We watched yeah. a commercial for it last night while we were watching something. I don't remember. I was watching basketball. And I turned to Casey and was like, what is this? And she goes, oh, that's Beyonce's new record. And I went, it is? <laughs> I was like, you don't see? Maybe she's in there in costume or whatever. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it looks crazy. I'm going to watch it. It'll probably be fun it's if you're like super a high. You know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like Tommy, you know? It's a rock opera. <laughs> I don't think it's a rock opera. <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's exactly like pinball wizard. <laughs> Trevor, what are you looking forward to then? I mean, like obviously Falcon so and Winter Soldier is going to be great. My theory, my theory for all of phase four is that they're going to start kind of moving towards the young Avengers. So hopefully, I'm reading a lot of that kind of speculation. I think they have to, yeah. right? Because you can't so just I would stop like to making see Avengers movies. In, in uh, the show, kind of some story elements from truth, red, white, and black. Mm. Yeah. I think that would go real, real well with, you know, Sam Wilson. He's taking up the shield Yeah, and he obviously gets some backlash and, and the government's like, no, we, we want to pick our own Captain America. So they get us agent in there. I don't hate that and at all. If, if there's, if it's anything like the, the comics, then his race is going to play a big part of it. Yeah. And if, if they have, like, the espionage story where they're, like, you know, fighting the government and then they start, like, digging in and finding secrets, they're like, oh, you don't really know what you think you know about Captain America and the origin of the super soldier. I dig that. And they find out. Yeah. I dig that a lot. you introduce the Bradleys. Yeah. And you get Patriot. I dig that a lot. I think it's a cool idea. And they have to they're not going to stop making Avengers movies. There's no way they make too much money. We're going to get uh, an Avengers five. Well, and, but we are going to hit a point very rapidly where the original Avengers are no longer viable as well. You know what? I say that, but Tom Cruise is still making mission impossible movies at age like 78 yeah. or I, however the fuck old he is. I think you have to switch it up though. I think you're going to get a new <clears throat> cast. I mean, Anthony Mackie will probably be there. You'll, the Winter Soldier will yeah. probably be there. Yeah, know. I mean, they're not going to get rid of Black Panther or Captain Marvel no. or Anthony Mackie because they're kind of new blood, right? Um, but I, I do agree. Like, we're getting Kate Bishop yeah. in the Hawkeye yeah. show. We are, um, we Cassie Lang. Yeah, Cassie Lang's already around. I would be stunned if WandaVision did not at least address the idea of the twins uh, that well, grow up to be Wiccan and Speed. <laughs> there's 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 images of her like with some kind of with two cribs. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we're going to go in a young Avengers direction, but then, you, but then they're like also the Eternals. Yeah. So that's a curveball. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like as far as move, as far as the movies go, like Eternals is, I think the next one. Yeah. I believe. Well, well, no, I mean, Black Widow first and then after that. Oh, well, Black Widow. Right. But Black Widow is a prequel. Right. Um, But apparently Black uh, Widow is going to have something in it that touches like a major storyline in the next wave. So uh, who knows? I'm wondering if I'm wondering if they might also somehow walk back uh, Natasha's death 
in Endgame uh, somehow with this Black Widow movie. I don't think anybody actually believes she's dead. She was a clone. Or not even a clone. Or, or, you know, or she's in the Soul Stone. I think they made plenty of illusions or plenty, plenty of implications that like she's Gamora's the, in the Soul Stone. Yeah. Uh, Natasha's probably in the Soul Stone. And that's just a big yeah. old wide open back door, if you ask me. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe we'll have to wait for Adam Warlock for that. <laughs> they certainly teased it enough. We'll see. Guardians 3, it's happening. Yeah. It's, Trevor, I got, I got somebody else trying to get in here. It's good to talk to you, man. Always good to hear from you. All right, thanks. Have a good one. Thank you, Trevor. So do we know that Guardians 3 is going to be Adam Warlock? Yes, I think they've come right out and said it. Okay. Because, I mean, you can't just drop that tease and then never do it again. I, I suppose you can because nobody knows who the hell Adam Warlock is other than you, me, Aura. And Aura. Yeah. <laughs> A couple other nerds I can count on one hand. (laughs) There was one more person that was trying to get in. I was going to give them a shot. 402-819-4894. But if they don't, then we're going to go on to the voicemails. We've got a few to talk to or talk about anyway. But I don't see them calling. So this is your last call. All right, that's it. Cut it it off. Yep. Forget it. Uh, So just... uh to wrap up that last little bit of conversation we were having before Trevor called the actor from remember the Titans is named Ryan Hurst. He was on sons of anarchy. Oh yeah. He yeah. Yeah. Played, uh, he played Opie yeah. on sons of anarchy. He was my favorite character on sons of anarchy. God, I loved him on that show. And he was huge too. He looked like he was like seven feet tall. <laughs> well, he also like grew out this ridiculous, like Jason Momoa lion's mane. Yeah. Uh, so he looks totally different. He was also on like a weird USA show that was about like backwoods hillbilly militia family that like just dis- um, disconnected from society. And it was really good for six episodes. And then it kind of, eh, you know, I can't remember. What well, there's called. a, uh, I don't know. Uh, there, there was a, he was on a TV show called Wanted where he played an ATF agent. I don't know if that's the one. No, nah, that's not it. Um, I can't remember what it was called. It was pretty good, though. He's a great actor. I really like him. Like He played actor. Crunch Grabowski on Saved by the Bell, the new class. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Everybody guess, remembers Crunch Grabowski. I'm going to guess Crunch was the captain of the chess club. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. We got to get out of here and answer some voicemails. You guys will have to tune into the regular show to hear those. You will also have to tune into the regular show to hear the new question of the week. Sorry. Dudes. Oh, he's also been on the walking dead uh, this last couple seasons. Oh, really? Yeah. He plays beta, which I think is one of the bad guys. I fell off the walking dead show so hard. Me too. I don't and, watch that crap anymore. Yeah. It just lost me. And it wasn't even cause it was bad. It just lost me. I was like, all right, we're doing, we're back to this formula only this this new guy is slightly more evil than the last guy <laughs> so evil got it so let's get into our voicemails and mp3s as we always say if you can't get through live you can leave a message and we're going to play it and if you can't listen to the show live you can send us an mp3 or leave a message anytime do it that's what bs3 did let's hear what he has to say nerds if there's one thing black scorpion number three is good at It's revisiting things once thought to be lame and suddenly realizing their brilliance. My history of comics is basically finding old Silver Age issues of The Flash and and realizing how awesome the characters and costumes were, realizing that the the stiff square 
Superman is really awesome. That's my bread and butter. Um, and that, that story, my answer actually comes from what started it all. And that was a record store owner when I was a teenager. He, he, he told me that he didn't believe in guilty pleasures in music. You like what you like, and you know you don't need to justify it. And that was his way of telling me that the ACDC stuff I loved when I was a little kid, maybe there was good stuff there, and I should appreciate it. And so my answer is not ACDC. My answer is lamer than that. <laughs> I encourage you all to start listening to bubblegum music from the 1960s. The 1910 Fruit Gum Company's 123 Red Light and Simon Says are perfect. <laughs> Chewy, 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 and yummy, yummy <laughs> the fuck is he by the Ohio about? Express are wonderful. And Sugar Sugar by the Archies, you're probably nerds that like it because it's the Archies, but listen to it. Brilliant song, uh, song smithing there. Um, I think it's emblematic of my approach to comics, too. I, I like the joy and the wonder, just immersing myself and appreciating the thing in front of me, not worrying about... You know, the, the cred behind the author or the writer or, sure. or something like that. Sure. It's just good and fun. So go enjoy yourself some bubblegum music. Now, if you let me indulge in one more thing, I'd like to give a, a plug for a Kickstarter for a comic book from a friend of a friend. Of course. Uh, back in Cleveland. If you like The Warriors, if you like Big Trouble in Little China, there's a comic he's trying to launch called Peerless, and the art looks phenomenal. The premise is great, and it's from people who have actually delivered on Kickstarters before. Peerless on Kickstarter. Give it a look. Maybe you'll like it. It's in its final week, and it looks like they're going to make it. Just encourage you all to check it out. Be well, everybody. Well, if you're marketing a Kickstarter project to Matt Bomb specifically, using examples like Big Trouble in Little China and Warriors, <laughs> that's a good way to get me to give you a thousand dollars. So <laughs> I am very interested. Oh, this art looks great. Uh, 10 days to go. Um, it looks like they are, f Oh, you know what? It actually doesn't show you unless you're logged in and I'm not logged in, but, um, yeah, I'll try to remember to put the link in the show notes for this. Cool. Peerless, we'll have the link in the show notes. He's not just going to try to remember. It's going to happen. Jimmy mm. Randall, fart on us, will you? G'day, everybody. Jimmy Randall, sending in an MP3. Answer to question of the week. <laughs> you know how it goes. <laughs> All right, so I was thinking about this question, and I had a revelation about myself and my past. It, it happens a fair bit on this show. Like, you know, THN, you're my own personal Fraser Crane. Any bloody way, I was about seven years old, went to the video store, um, yeah, picked up a VHS tape, if you kids remember what those are, and uh, mum picked up a sweet-looking cartoon. Now, back then, I was seven. I didn't know what anime was, and I didn't even know what Japan was, but you know, the cover to this movie looked rad. It was a hardcore-looking cartoon bloke with a, a huge gun. The back cover showed the same dude on a futuristic red motorcycle. It's Akira. It was something about Neo Tokyo about to explode. Yep. You guys, I watched Akira all by myself when I was seven goddamn years old. Now, Akira <laughs> fucked me up, man. Here's the revelation. It fucked me up so much, it informed my opinion on anime in general. Like, Jimmy no likey anime. But, all right, so I was about 30, um, watched Akira again, and all those feelings of revulsion came rushing back. I, I felt physically ill, but you know what? I knew why. And that helped me appreciate it on a much different level. Like, I, I was disgusted but I was entertained. I didn't 
enjoy it so much, but I didn't love it. I don't know. It it was a thing. Anime can still go away from me though. It's a real turd in a toilet. And, you know, I really? get that there's a massive fan base, like a huge fucking anime fan base. It's a rather large part of my business, to be frank, and people love it, but I don't. But you know what? I'll fight to the death to preserve the weeb's right to enjoy that weird shit. <laughs> All right, real quick. Time for some video game news. Yeah! <laughs> Guys, there's this rad game called <laughs> Carrion. Crazy. Like, you know, a, a vulture that eats oh. carrion, um, dead meat, whatever. Anyway, it's a neat 2D platformer. It's very Metroidvania in style. But here's the hook. Imagine John Carpenter's The Thing, but you play as The Thing. Eight out of ten. It's a good time. All right, that's enough from me later, you big dorks. Carrion is uh, incredible. Have you seen it? Yes, it is incredible. And uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was, put up, they, the like the developers were like, hey, what kind of soundtrack would you put to Carrion if you could? And there was one of these, I don't know, they were a grindcore band. It's like, I've been playing this band all week and I put our music to it and it works way too well. <laughs> It's just like, it's a murder fest, basically. You're this blob that's yeah. trying to escape and you grab people and literally have to like shake your mouse to murder them, to like violently destroy them. <laughs> it's amazing looking. Yeah, and you unlock abilities as you grow. Like he said, Metroidvania, if you don't know what Metroidvania is, it's um, the genre of game where you start weak and you wander a vast map with no clue where to go. You earn power-ups and you get powerful. You do a lot of backtracking, like Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the original Metroid. Side-scrolling maps. They Like, huge yeah. uh, puzzles. And, and Yeah. And I read about it this week, and I'm like, oh, Matt Bomb needs to know about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely getting in on it. And I don't do a lot of, like, you know, desktop computer gaming, but this isn't out anywhere else, and I need to play this it looks fantastic. uh it is available for the switch if you are a switch owner i do not have a switch no i fought Sucks that to be you and i i am slowly weakening to the idea and i just ugh, i don't ugh, i don't Sucks play enough of my you. video games as it is do i really need another goddamn system that's the question i have to ask myself all right we got a new guy here that's right um, I'm sorry. I didn't even touch on what Jimmy said. Akira is like in my top five favorite animated films. It is an incredible movie. I cannot believe he did not like it. I get that. Like you might not like anime, but I would argue Akira is very separate from what is popular in anime. And I don't care for a lot of popular anime stuff either. I just can't get into it. Like one piece and, uh, bleach and stuff like that. It, it, they're huge. They're massive. Yeah. Like when I think of anime, I don't really think of things like studio Ghibli or Akira. I mean, it is, it I, I mean, yes, it is technically, but it, to me, anime is like a, a syndicated series. That's got 300 goddamn episodes. Right. And, and you need to have memorized a wiki to understand any of it. You know, it, um, which is separate uh, to me, a different thing to me than these like meticulously crafted standalone films. Sure. Uh, that's that, all. Is Go that on. the end of your thought? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying to me, I, there's a distinction between the two in my mind. Fair enough. Um, I mean, there's not for me. They're just two different types of anime. And I do like the episodic stuff. I just started watching one called uh, Inuyashiki, the hero or last hero. Uh, 
friend of the show, Dave DeMarco, told us about it. It's on Amazon. It is stunning, sort of like Mecca kind of stuff with an amazing story. Some of it is very hard to watch. It, it, it's dark and it's bright and it's amazing. Uh, Baki the Grappler on Netflix is the most macho, ridiculous shit ever. It is bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Like teeth shattering macho man. <laughs> you know, he's like flexing and fighting and stuff. It's just crazy. But I never really got into a lot of the the big popular stuff. It just didn't do it for me. It was too wacky and goofy and shit like that. I don't know. I like my anime a little more serious, but uh I think you're wrong, Jimmy. I'm sorry. I think you're wrong there. Anime is a good thing. We need it. Hey. We got a new guy. Hey nerds. This is Dan in Connecticut. I'm a longtime listener calling in with my answer to the question of the week. Like so many in my generation, I grew up watching the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. Loved everything about it, but I remember there was this one character that showed up and my friends thought was so cool. I just couldn't get into it. My young, stupid brain could accept mutated turtles with surfer lingo and weapons that they don't use, but a rabbit samurai? That's just ridiculous. Yes. That's right. I'm talking about Stan Sakai's legendary character, Miyamoto Usagi, the star of the long-running series Usagi Yojimbo. As I've grown older, and hopefully wiser, I've fallen in love with the series. From the early work at Fantagraphics through the current IDW series, there's legitimately not a single bad issue. It's actually because of this consistency and quality that no one seems to talk about it. I mean... It's easy to talk about books that are a bit of a roller coaster with some really great issues or really bad ones. But the books are consistently good. They just seem to get lost in the shuffle. I'll admit that I don't read Usagi Yojimbo every month, even though I buy it, buy it from my local shop each month. However, every time I get around to reading it, I get the pleasure of experiencing one of the true masters of the comics medium effortlessly perform his craft. So yeah, I wasn't impressed at first. But I'm head over heels in love with Usagi Yojimbo. Until next time, bye. Daniel, first of all, welcome aboard. Yes, Second, sir. I think that is the single best explanation of why Usagi Yojimbo is not a bigger and more famous thing. Because it's been so consistently good for so long that people just look at it and go like, what, there's 700 issues of this? No, I can't do that. You know, and they're all great. <laughs> Where do I see? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm this, I was the same way, though. I loved the Ninja Turtles as a kid, even before the cartoon, because I'm older than you and it's disgusting. But I was kind of turned off by the cartoon. I watched it because it was fun and whatever. Yes, they had weapons they did not use and they threw pizza at people instead and shit. You know, it was fun, but it wasn't the nin- like the dark, mean Ninja Turtles that I loved. And I think I didn't care for Usagi because they were, Stan Sakai was telling a different story. It was slower. He let things breathe a little bit. There was a real narrative. If you go back and look at the old Ninja Turtles comics, they're not great. They're new and they did something different that really changed comics and stuff like that, but they're not great. Go back and look at the old Stan Sakai Usagi stuff. It's masterful. Absolutely masterful. And you could sit down and just burn through them and they're wonderful understated like decompressed storytelling that just 
not just for fans of samurai movies, but like that helps, you know what you're getting into. This one's going to breathe a little bit, you know? And that's why I didn't like it so much as a kid. When I got older, I did the same thing. I got the fanographic shit fell head over heels in love with Usagi Ojimbo. Oh, it's just wonderful. Uh, Daniel is, or at least was the last time he posted, uh, the editor-in-chief of Friends of the Show, ComicsBulletin.com. Oh, no kidding! Comics yeah. Bulletin is one of the few uh, comics news sites that I don't constantly make fun of and prod with a stick on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so check out ComicsBulletin.com. Uh, I know that uh, our, our good friend Jason Sachs uh, uh, was heavily involved with them uh, for, uh, for a time. Uh, but yeah, welcome aboard, Daniel. That's a great answer. That's awesome. Totally appreciate it. Yeah, welcome aboard and comicsbolden.com. Definitely. They're not a clickbait site. Check them out. They are not. And we got a voicemail here. Finally. Breaks called us. Breaks. Let's see what Breaks has going on. <laughs> Gotta love the uh, Google voice to text. Always right on, 100%. And taking forever to load. There we go. Hey, what's up? It's Frank Cirillo calling to answer my own question. Ah, wow. I had no idea that was my question as I listened to last week's episode. <laughs> anyway, my answer is uh, my answer is Jack Kirby. Did not like him as a kid. Got older, went to went to art school, read an article about him in, in the uh, Village Voice. And um, just, just the fact that he was like such a machine at drawing and the way he changed the dynamic posing and I mean, you can go on about on and on and on about it, but yeah, my answer is uh, Jack Kirby because I uh, gave away my good answer, which was uh, Voltron. <laughs> and just kidding. Anyway, uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Um, busy today, out with the kids, out with family, so just uh, couldn't couldn't get a chance to call in live. All right, take care. Bye. All good, Frank, and thank you for the question, Jack Kirby, Joe Patrick. Uh, you know what? That's uh, I I. Now that he brings it up, I had a very similar uh, relationship with Jack Kirby as a kid. Like I had some comics that were drawn by him and I was like, this art is weird, man. Yeah. Uh, And it wasn't until I grew up and learned more about comics and the history of comics and the craft of comics. um, And about him specifically in his prolific work uh, that I I gained a, a deeper appreciation for him and his uh, you know, very distinct style. Um, Look at the generation you know, I, we grew up in, though. It in like when we were reading comics, the eighties yeah. and nineties. I mean, that stuff was as far away from Jack Kirby as it could possibly be in art style. Yeah, you know, things things were moving towards um, at least in the eighties at, at at places like Marvel. Um, the house style was maybe a little bit softer, more not, I don't know if realistic is the right word, but more like definitely slicker, less exaggerated. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, I'm thinking of like John Romita jr. And, and stuff like that. And on Spider-Man in the early eighties and Paul Smith on X-Men and, and, you know, um, a John Byrne on X-Men as well. You know, it was a, it was different. It's different. Um, And certainly if you know what to look for, Kirby informed, the work of all of those artists. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just that they had their own, you know, distinct style. Um, 
but yeah, Jack Kirby, great answer. Great answer. I, you know, I like, I remember I always appreciated Jack Kirby as a kid, but it was his Marvel stuff because that just seemed more important to me. Fantastic Four and, and Thor and all that shit. That, like, it just seemed like, well, that's where I came from. So it's legendary. I didn't get his DC stuff at all. Like, it did not make sense to me whatsoever yeah i i think if i were gonna if i were going to narrow it down it would be fourth world era jack kirby where yeah uh, i first encountered him um oh actually probably one of the earliest places i saw jack kirby's work that wasn't like a reprint where i didn't recognize him specifically um would have been um superpowers the dc uh, superpowers minis that were based on the toy line of yeah. the same name. Yeah. I had those and, as well. And uh, like, uh, I, w- I was just like completely thrown for a loop by that artwork and I didn't really understand what I was looking at. Um, there was also an issue of DC Comics Presents that he drew that uh, introduced <laughs> the idea of Superman having super ventriloquism which i'm not gonna blame kirby for but if to this day it still makes me scratch my head a little bit you know that was jack kirby you, yes blame jack kirby you know that was jack, that wasn't even like the fifth weirdest thing that he did with superman <laughs> uh, I, I don't i don't think that uh kirby wrote that issue um i'll bet it was his idea though I bet it was that. Now, why would you automatically assume that just because the shit Uh, that he did at DC was so weird. He left Marvel and was like, all right, Jack, you are untethered. Go. And he went insane. The world that he built. I've now I have grown to love it. I revisited it. God, maybe 10 years ago when they started putting out those like, or yeah, I think it was like 10 or 15 years ago when they started putting out the Jack Kirby collections of the DC stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hardcover. I think I picked up the demon first because I never cared about the demon ever. Just the character never did anything for me. And so I went, I want to start with the hardest one. And I loved it. Burned through it. Loved it. I immediately went and picked up the fourth world stuff. It is laugh out loud, bizarre. And I love it. it because it's just like the purest. It's Jack Kirby cooked down to like a rock. It is the purest form of his weird creativity. And it is so fucking wild, man. (laughs) It's just (laughs) wild. (laughs) Uh, So that issue of DC comics presents, it was DC comics uh, presents number 84, uh, which came out in 1985. And it was written by Bob Rosakis. Um, who also created Amazing Man, which is a comic that I love. Ah. Uh, it also had a, a sequence drawn by Alex Toth. Oh, wow. Which is wild. I mean, uh, like, in hindsight, uh, I, this should have been, like, entirely my shit. But, uh, yeah, no. I, I, as a kid, I was just like, this is weird. Yeah. This is too weird. I definitely learned to appreciate him much later. And now, legendary. Now I love what the guy does. It just, it was a matter of figuring out Oh yeah, like what you said. The things that he did informed stuff that I loved when I was younger and I just didn't understand that evolution. Yeah, totally. All right, let's get to our answers. Okay, well, um I think it was David, uh David Robbins got dangerously close uh to to the territory I'm uh wading into when he brought up Vin Diesel because my answer 
is the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> uh, when those things first came out, they were just like a running punchline. Oh, yeah. Me. Like ridiculous, terrible, macho garbage. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, it wasn't, uh, it may have been fifth or sixth movie in the franchise. I saw that you and Casey had been like marathoning them and talking about like what a what like a solid consistent continuous narrative that they had been building the level of continuity is stunning <laughs> like and really stunning <laughs> like I, I i sat down one weekend and i watched all of the movies that had been released at the time um and so this may it may have been like right before the release of I think um, it was 7 because like, we were doing that to get ready fast for fast 7, seven right yeah 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 um and yeah so like i saw fast seven in the theaters at like by the time i was done i was like these movies rule yeah these movies are amazing uh and yes it's vin diesel's not a good actor he's not a good actor paul walker is not a good actor no they're terrible but by the time you get like by the time they brought in like the rock and jason statham and like i was i was hooked man i was hooked um, when they bring in the rock, it becomes so apparent who can act and who has like personality, <laughs> you know, like yes. the rock oozes with personality. Like, yeah, I mean, it's his number one job. He's not a great actor. He's the rock in everything he's in. That's all he can do. But we love the rock so much that when he shows up, he's just like when he is sharing screen time with anybody in those movies, you're just like, oh God, they are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, they are so bad. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I like, I, I love those movies. I cannot wait for the next one. I cannot wait for them to eventually go to space. Oh yeah. Because you know that they will. Uh, they've already introduced superheroes into their world. So why yeah, not? Yeah. Hobbs and Shaw introduces literal superpowers. Into I did the Fast not. and Furious franchise. I didn't love Hobbs and Shaw. It just, I loved Hobbs and Shaw. It felt I too watered it. down to me. Like I, it just, and I got watered sick. down. Yeah. I, I like Hobbs and Shaw in that universe doing stuff, but I don't need a movie with them together. It just didn't, didn't do it for me. Uh, and what what I love about it so much, aside from the continuity uh, and, and and the ongoing story, is that the actors involved are so passionate about it. Oh yeah, that when they announced the Hobson Shaw spinoff movie, Tyrese was like, "Fuck that shit." Well, Tyrese was trying to get paid. That's well, why. is it Tyrese or is it Tyson? No, is it? it's Tyrese, right? Yeah, I think it's Tyrese. Yeah. Okay. He was trying to get yeah, paid he, is what it was. And he's like, sure, but everybody like, gets paid it's more like, than me. It's like professional wrestling level of beef. Yeah. And, and, so true story, <laughs> Will Smith gave him $2 million to shut up. Yeah. That's seriously. Will Smith was like, you got to stop, man. You sound like an idiot. Do you need a loan or something? Here's 2 million uh, bucks. Shut up. <laughs> I love it. I love them so much. I love them. The Fast and the Furious movies. Yes. They're silly. They're over the top, but you have to, it's like Starship Troopers or, um, or, or the injustice video games, right? Like you have to appreciate them for what they are and what they're trying to do. They're not trying to, absolutely. Like, they're not high art. They're not trying to redefine cinema. No. Um, but what they do, they do very well and they are like truly impressive to watch. Yeah. It was Adam Carolla and Bill Simmons on a podcast that sold me on it. They, cause they were doing a rewatch cause Adam Carolla loves cars and Bill Simmons likes movies. And so he's like, this is what we both love, you know? And Corolla 
just gushes, gushes about these movies. How wonderful. And, and he sells Simmons on them as they're watching them. And by the end, Bill Simmons, like, I don't think there is a better like, group of movies out there. He's like, I think this is America's movie franchise. You know, like, I don't think there's like, any argument. <laughs> as far as franchises go that are just a single series of movies, like Marvel MCU, you know, probably sure. most successful film franchise of all time. Yeah. But uh unless, you know, Star Wars maybe. But um for for a continual series that's just one that's just one movie nine times. More or less. It, I think it's the most I think it's one of the most well executed. Oh yeah. <laughs> ever. And, and just like the way they raise the stakes in each movie. It's not just like Oh man, this one's going to be tough for him. It's like, oh, you thought the last movie yeah. was tough? Well, in this one, they have to save the planet. You know? <laughs> like, right, like, yeah. We're going to call oh, these guys in fast cars because this dude has a nuclear bomb and he's going to like destroy the, the fucking core of the earth or something. It's like, oh, <laughs> fast 7, Fast 7, Dom Toretto has to drive a car out of a flying airplane yeah. <laughs> and not die. Oh, that's great. Uh, in Fate of the Furious... The entire family has to drive a fleet of cars chained together <laughs> out of a flying airplane <laughs> and also not die. Oh, also, okay. Also, that's they cool. drive a car through three buildings. In that right. One too. <laughs> uh, in Hobbs and Shaw, the rock pulls a helicopter out of the air with his bare hands. Yes. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they moved straight into superhuman territory it, with the rock, like, and he right wasn't away. even the superpowered character. No, in the movie. he's just a ripped up dude. <laughs> he's like maybe he's in Batman shape. Batman can't pull a fucking helicopter out of the air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, in like in this this new one coming out, we're supposed to believe that John Cena is Dom's brother. <laughs> totally it makes perfect sense. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Sure. Just. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, John Cena totally looks like he could be. From I wish Cuba. they would have been like Charlotte Flair is Dom's brother in, you know, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> like, let's do it. <laughs> uh, all right. Matt Bomb, what's your answer? Mine was Archie. My, Michael Severe stole mine. Yeah, it was Archie. I hated Archie comics. I, I never understood it. I didn't care about it. I get what they were doing. It just did nothing for me. And. Then when we had like the Archie relaunches and stuff and they started doing like some edgier stuff with Archie and we started reviewing them, I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing what these creators have done. And then we got Riverdale. They brought it to TV and it worked so perfectly. And it was like the most ingenious, gentle reboot of a property like that I've ever seen. It was still everything you recognize about Archie down to Jughead's dumb hat was still there somehow. And it worked. It all just worked. And all they did was make it trashy, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and it totally worked. And I, I'm still so impressed. And every, I like, I don't watch Riverdale religiously every week, but I'll sit down and binge a few episodes and I'm instantly back in. Just like, God, this is such trash. I love it. <laughs> all right. Let's set these kids up with a new question of the week. We got to get out of here. This show is way yeah. too long. It's true. Uh, this week's question was submitted by us. Uh, speaking, I guess, of Jason Statham in the Fast and the Furious movies, uh, what is your favorite heel or face turn in comics? 
We're talking about heroes becoming villains and villains becoming heroes. You love know it. what we're talking about. Yeah, love it. Uh, it's like when uh, when Hulk Hogan became the uh, Hollywood Hogan, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a heel turn it, or like a face turn as well, where like uh, Angel became a good guy in Buffy, you know? I mean, yeah, shit yeah, like yeah. right, exactly. And I would say, let's not limit it to comics. Let's just make it any any fictional bullshit. Your favorite? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You want to talk fair. wrestling? Let's talk wrestling. I would love it. Ugh. I love, love, love when bad guy wrestler realizes he's a bad guy and becomes a good guy, and he feels so bad about all the ridiculously bad shit that there's no way he could have known wasn't bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and suddenly he's just like. When I dumped that handicapped old man out of his wheelchair and kicked him in the face, like, you know, like, I wasn't, I, I, that wasn't me, man. Like, yes, no, that was totally you. And you were smiling. <laughs> you know? uh, now, I think we have done this question before, but it's been a while. And I think we maybe, we probably limited it to comics. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a new batch of callers coming up now. So I think it's a, a good time to revisit it. Blow it up. Heel turn, face turn. Good guys going bad. Bad guys going good. We'll talk about it next week on the show. We go live every Saturday, 10.30 a.m. You know the rules. We flip on the phones at 11, and we talk to you guys. Thank you to everybody that called in. Uh, Daniel, new guy, welcome aboard. Yeah, Rusky uh, South, welcome back. Rusky South, that was unbelievable. Trevor called again. This guy getting to be a regular. I love it. Good to hear from you. I know there's more of you out there that are just listening and creeping, and maybe you're watching on Facebook, and you're afraid to even chat. Come on, get over yourselves. Talk to us. We want to hear from you, okay? We don't have a show without you. But thank you to everybody that does. And we'll be back next week. My name is Matt Baum. My name is Joe Patrick. And this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.